and we are in our series on Speed Kills. We're talking about how we live in a culture that is like crazy, fast-paced society. I'm just curious. This is a little crowd participation. Okay, right out of the gate, I'm going to make you work just a little bit. I need to see, by a show of hands, how many of you would say, as you described last week, you look back over your shoulder, you kind of check out what you did, and the word that comes to your mind is bored because you didn't do anything. Go ahead, wave at me. If you say, yeah, last week, nobody's waving here at OKC. I bet nobody's waving at any of our other campuses as well. Let me, let me ask a different question. As you look in the rearview mirror and you think about the last seven days-ish, when you look at it, you would say it was full. There was a lot going on. Wave at me now if you say that was the case. Yes, hands are going up everywhere because we live in a busy society, fast-paced culture, a lot of stuff happening a lot of activity flying, and I would even say, as a part of our culture, that it's a bit of a badge of honor to be busy. I mean, there there's just seems to be this mindset that uh, the crazier your calendar, the more important that you are. And yet, in this series, we're, we're really uh, making an intentional effort to slow down long enough to take a close enough, honest look at our pace, at our schedules, and see if maybe, just maybe, God may want to say something to us about the way we're living our lives. And we're looking at this going, well, I, I wonder if, as I pause and look at it, uh, that the devil may have a plan for my schedule just like God does. How many of you know that the devil wants you to be busy because being too busy will break you? How many of you have learned that so far, that speed kills? And God does not want us to break. He wants us to be blessed. That's why this is a very, very, like, spiritual issue. Like, for real. Some of you may remember the quote that Pastor Herbert opened with in our first week, and he was quoting Corey Ten Boom, and Corey Ten Boom made this statement, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. That's a good word right there. I'm going to read it again. Some of y'all just need to process that a little bit. You need to let it get down into your spirit. If the devil can't make you bad, he will make you busy. That's so true. The devil wants you to be busy because he wants you to break. God wants to bless you, but the devil wants to break you. I believe one of the simplest yet most overlooked keys to blessing, a lot of us as Christians, we miss it, is how living with margin can safeguard us against a crash. That's why today I want to talk to you about going from maxed to margin, from maxed to margin. When I'm talking about margin, uh, several different definitions. Uh, I, I read several articles or looked up even several definitions. And, and this is the simplest way I could think of on how to describe margin. Margin is when what I have, margin is what I have beyond what I need. Margin is what I have beyond what I need. So if I need to drive to an event that's 30 minutes away, but I leave with 45 minutes to get there, I have 15 minutes of margin. Um, if I have $50, but I have $40 in bills, I would have 
$10 of margin. Margin is what I have beyond what I need. And can I just tell you today that margin is your friend? Come on, some of y'all need to meet the friend of margin. You're like, I don't know margin. I, you, you need to meet margin. <laughs> margin is your friend. Have you ever been driving down the road and, and maybe you got distracted? You, you were driving. You try to be a safe driver. You're trying to be a good driver. But you got distracted. I won't say that you were looking at your cell phone. You're too spiritual for that. But let's just say you sneezed. You know, let's say, let's say there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a bug in the car. You saw a spider. You just, you, you just some of you freak out. You're about to have a wreck over a spider. You know, you just, but then you, 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 you hear that noise when you start just drifting a little over to the, to the side of the road started getting close and you hit the rumble strips you ever hit the rumble strips before I didn't know that's what they were called I had to look it up rumble strips that's what they're called but you're just driving and when you when you kind of drift over to like that man that has scared me on so many times I can't even tell you maybe you were dozing off you didn't know you just knew you're tired your eyes are burning and you had a blink that got stuck you blinked but it didn't open back up Then you hit the rumble strip, blah, 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 blah. oh, you wake up, and in that moment, you say, thank the Lord for some margin. I was on a mission trip one time to Mexico, and the road that we were on, it, did, it didn't have any rumble strips. I got a picture. This is not the place where we were driving, but it's a picture that when I saw this, it reminded me of the road that we were on in Mexico. Now, here's what was crazy about this is that it looks like it appears to be a single lane. But on this mission trip, there would be on a road about this narrow, on a cliff similar to this one, oncoming cars from the opposite direction. And you know what was really interesting about this? Like, this is no joke. I'm not making this up. I noticed on the vehicles, very few of them had, like, uh, side mirrors, because they just get a little too close. Boom, lost another one. I mean, they just didn't even, didn't even try and replace them anymore. Like, no use in it. And I would just say, uh, to put it mildly, I was a little bit uncomfortable with the speed with which our driver was driving. It was like no big deal to the brother that he didn't have any margin. Like, he didn't need margin. I'm like, well, your side mirror thought you needed some margin if you'd have asked it. High speed plus no margin equals disaster. Let me say it a different way. Less margin leads to more wrecks. But did you know that that's how a lot of people live their lives? That's how a lot of people run their schedules. High speeds, no margin. Not even stopping long enough to consider the fact that a crash is about to happen in their life. This really seems so simple, yet it really is critical because margin isn't just a nice thought or a luxury or an accessory. I mean, when I think of the things that I need to say, God help me, God strengthen me, Lord protect me, I rarely find myself praying over margin. It just seems to be a bit of an add-on, kind of like a nod to, yeah, I ought, or yeah, we probably should. But I just want to suggest to you today that when there is no margin, there is no room for error. 
Like, is that really the way I want to live my life? Like, I'm going to live in such a way as where there is zero room for error. Is there anybody else like me? Maybe those of you watching online can relate, but, but you tend to just push the envelope just a little bit when it comes to filling up the car with gas. Anybody else? Come on, don't leave me by myself. Anybody else? do? Now, here's what's interesting. I don't typically do that just day-to-day driving. I'm pretty uh, consistent and, 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 and responsible with filling up my tank with gas, but you know where the wheels fall off for me? Long trips. That's where I don't know what happens. I slip into something. I, I slip in like to this drive to where I'm going, and, and it was kind of getting low, half a tank, okay, quarter of a tank left, and I don't know why this is, but there's just something in me that does not want to stop, and it's like if I wait, if I wait longer to stop to get gas, like if I wait another exit or two, I'm going to get where I'm going faster. That doesn't make any sense, but it's like if I delay stopping, I'm going to get there sooner. And there's something else that I struggle with as I'm driving. No matter what exit, when I look at it, running low on gas. But I'll look at it and I'll go, yeah, not that one. Have you ever done that before? Just judging a gas station. I mean, just judging it. Looking at it going, no, there's, there's cheaper gas. It's the next one. I'm going to stop. You don't know anything about the next one. You don't know the prices. You don't know how far it is. But you're like, I'm going to stop at the next one, not this one. And what happens is... You pass station, station, pass another one, and then you've been there before, haven't you? You hit that dry spell. It's just like forever, nothing, and you're kind of shifting in your head. I should have I stopped at that last one. You know, I should have I stopped. It's the worst, too. My wife, Casey, you know, told me, like, you ought to go ahead and stop. Now I'm going to stop at the next one, and then you hit that stretch. You know? Then the light comes on. Y'all know what I'm talking Your blood pressure starts climbing. You're looking at the light and you start doing math. All kind of miles per hour, miles per gallon. Turn off the air conditioning. Tell your kids, hold your breath. Everybody hold your breath. Be real still. Quit moving. Just unnecessary stress. Didn't have to do it to myself, but I, I did it. I did that recently on a trip. Like, I literally did that. I'm like, when am I going to learn? It's amazing how often I live my life as if I think life is going to go exactly according to my plan. No bumps, no surprises, no unexpected circumstances. No, no, it's going to go just like I planned it today. Yet when I do that, I'm making Satan's job way too easy. He loves to catch us with our guard down. He's the master of the sucker punch. He, he wants us to live stressed out, burdened, high blood pressure, heart attacks, homes filled with stress and tensions, marriages that are redlining. He's having way too much success without having to make us bad. He just needs to make us busy. He wants to break us, but God wants to bless us. And did you know that sometimes the deciding factor in determining whether or not we're living life broken or blessed simply comes down to our pace. 
That just doesn't even sound super spiritual, does it? It just sounds too easy, too practical, too simple, yet it's true. I want to show you from Scripture. We're going to look specifically at the life of Moses. Uh, Moses had a little bit going on. Uh, he had just led Israel out of Egypt and across the Red Sea. I don't know what you did last week, but that's what uh, Moses had done. He was, he was serving over the, as the leader over a million people. Like, I got six kids. I'm pulling my hair out. He, he had over a million people he was responsible for. He was their spokesperson. He, he was God's prophet. And, and now he's trying to serve as the judge for the people. And his father-in-law comes into the story, Exodus chapter 18. He comes onto the scene, and as he does, they exchange some pleasantries. They're kind of celebrating how God had, had just delivered Israel and, and how God was using Moses. But, but just early in this exchange, Jethro looks at it, and he realizes Moses had a margin problem. Let's look at it in verse 13. It says, the next day, somebody say the next day. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening catch that because scripture could have just said he was there to serve as judge for the people but it distinguishes here makes a little note here to catch our they stood around him from morning till evening when his father-in-law saw that Moses was doing for the people he said what is what is this you're doing for the people why do you alone sit as judge why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you? Here it is again. Look at it. From, what does it say? Morning till evening. Anytime you're studying scripture, pay attention to things like that. Like, like pay attention to the wording. If you see something repeated in scripture, it's there because God is emphasizing it because he's communicating something to us. So what he's drawing to our attention, it's not just that Moses was out doing something, but what he was doing was taxing. It, 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 was, it was dominating his time. It was a heavy load. And so Jethro sees this and he says, what is this that you're doing? Look at Moses' response in verse 15. Because he knew, Moses knew that Jethro, the father-in-law, had a little bit of edge to his question. He thought that's a loaded question. And so look at his answer. In verse 15, Moses answered him, because the people... Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Do you feel a little bit of, come on, do you pick up on a little defensive tone right there from Moses? Do you get a little bit of that? The father-in-law is like, what's this going on? People stand around you from morning to leave. They stand around. You're the only one who can judge. And come on, you know, if your father-in-law comes at you like that, you know, it's just human nature. But you think I'm an idiot? Is that what you say? You think I don't know how to run my, you think? Now Moses had a little bit. I mean, he's Moses, but he had a little bit of that. The people. You think I want it? You think I act to the people? When they have the dispute is brought to me and I decide between the parties to inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Now what I love about this story is that Moses shows his humanity. Jethro's like, what's going on with all this? And he doesn't say, well, man, I'm just not good at time management. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I struggle with saying no. I just, it's a problem. I'm, I'm overcommitted. He doesn't say anything like that. He says, the people. It's not, I didn't ask what they get these people. But as you... As, as you see, as we work our way through this text, you see that Moses courageously overcame his defensiveness and actually was open because Jethro, it didn't take him five minutes to look at this and go, this is not good. And typically when you're the one in the thick of it, you can't see it. 
So it's not even a good thing. I'm a little bit discouraged just trying to preach today because I know I'm preaching to thousands of people. As I'm talking about this, you're like, oh, I know somebody who needs this. And you're not even thinking about the fact that the Holy Spirit might be talking to you. And we're like, well, the thing about it is in my situation, because all of us feel like we're the exception. Jethro looks at Moses and says, man, this isn't so good. I want to show you because God's going to hold this story up for us as kind of like a mirror today. Would you take a long, hard look into this and see if maybe God is speaking something to us? So what do we do if we want to go from living at a pace of busyness that leads to brokenness to make sure that we're living with margin so that we can be blessed? Here's the first thing. Number one, be real about your margin. Be real about it. Not defensive. Not justifying it. Not explaining it away. But being real. I love the way Jethro points this out to Moses. Chapter 18, verse 17. So Moses says, these people, and then verse 17, Jethro replied, what you are doing is not good. I mean, he doesn't even beat around the bush. He's like, you know, I was thinking, you know, what if maybe, you know, I've been concerned about you. What if? He goes, hey, man, that's dumb. That's what he basically is just saying to Moses. Like, man, what you are doing, don't I'm talking about the people. I'm talking about what you're doing, Moses. What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Jethro did not mince words. I love how he's so brutally honest. And what I really love is how Moses is no longer getting defensive. Jethro says, this isn't good for you, and it's not even best for the people. Can I ask you today if you'd be willing to take an honest audit of your life, but be courageous enough with yourself to refuse to deceive yourself? We all like to make excuses. We all feel like we're the exception. When I'm talking to you about margin, you're looking at your life and you're thinking, do you think I want to be this busy? Like most of us say, no, we don't want to. Now, I'd like, how many of you say you would like to spend more time with God? If you just couldn't be honest, I'm not setting you up. Don't be like, man, I'm not raising. No, you'd like to spend more time with God. We'd We'd like to spend more time with family. We'd like to spend more, you have more leisure time to read. You would like to garden, whatever it is. You could think of some things. You'd be like, I would like to do that. And you know what's interesting is when we get a day off, none of those things make it to that. <laughs> it's just weird. There's no way around it. We have to understand when margin decreases, stress increases. Years ago, I was uh, in a season of my life that was really, really busy, and it wasn't healthy. It wasn't good. I say that like this only happened once in my life. That was one of about 57 seasons of my life like that. As a matter of fact, when I was working on this message, it was... uh, it was quite bothersome because it's a real bummer when you're about to preach something and you're going, I need to repent. You know, like every few minutes you have to repent. But that was me with this message because I was just looking at it going, man, I've got to grow there. I have to do better there. So when I'm telling this story, it's not like one time, one time I struggled with margin. No, I, I struggle with it on an ongoing basis. But there was a season to where life was just full. 
and I was not able to see it because I was in the thick of it. And everything that I'm doing is important. Right? If I didn't need to do this, I wouldn't be doing this, right? So I'm in the midst of it, and I was on the phone, and I was talking to another pastor. And as I talked to him, as I was talking to him, I was listening to me. It was kind of weird. Like, as I was talking to him, I was listening to the words. Like, the words that were in my mind that I was saying to him were not the words that were coming out of my mouth. It was weird. Like, I'm talking to him, and I think that I'm saying something to him, but as I'm listening to him, I'm like, that's not what I'm saying to him. I'm confusing you right now, right? I was confused in that moment. Because I was saying something to him like, yeah, that sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. But what came out of my mouth was, yeah. And so then I tried to explain it. And so what I wanted to say was, hey, what I was trying to say was, and instead it came out, what in the world is going on? That dude started free. He thought, this brother's got a demon. Like, there's something. He's just like, weirding out right now. But I, I didn't know what to do or what to say. And so I just kind of sat there for a second. <laughs> the guy's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. I, I'll call you back. And I just hung up. Then I went and I got my wife, Casey, and I was trying to explain. I was like, yeah, it's just can't really talk so she's like I'm taking you to the hospital so we get in the car and she told me that as we're driving to the hospital the whole way to the hospital all I kept saying over and over is nothing is wrong which is hilarious because obviously something is wrong and I'm going there's nothing wrong. I'm fine I'm fine there's nothing wrong she's like no there's something I'm fine there's nothing nothing wrong I'm okay She's like, okay, I'm, take, I'm fine. She's like, okay, I got to be fine. It was so weird. I was so in the thick of it, and all I can think of is I'm fine. There are a lot of people who live like that. Like Jethro's on the outside going, bro, this is not good. And, and we want to be like, well, I have to. I must. I have no choice. And we can't even see it. Our lives are out of control. Listen, in that moment, it wasn't that I was living in sin. I wasn't cheating on my wife. I wasn't abusing my kids. I was simply living with a high speed and low margin. When I got to the hospital, they said that I was experiencing a TIA stroke. And I'm trying to convince everybody, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. What I'm doing is important. I'm doing the Lord's work. As if God is the one to blame for my lack of margin. I get it that there are people who are listening right now who love God and hate the devil. They worship God and can't wait to go to heaven. But the truth is they aren't living with any margin in their lives. And the result is that they're allowing their pace to rob their peace. This is a very spiritual point. Because it's not just affecting you, it's affecting those around you. It's not just impacting you, it's affecting those that look to you or depend on you. We're living stress, living overwhelmed. You can't sleep at night because the stress is so high. Can't spend time with your kids because the pace is so great. Can't work on your message, on your marriage because you're so worn out from your day. Can't be generous the way you want to, the way God has called you to because you're so strapped financially. You can't serve the church because your schedule is out of control. When margin is low, 
Stress is high. A lot of us, we look at the dashboard of our life and that gaslight just keeps blinking, blinking, blinking. God's going, pull over. We're like, I got this. There's nothing wrong. There's no, I'm fine. There's nothing, a warning, warning, gaslight, and our blood pressure keeps rising while we're convincing ourselves and trying to lie to others there's nothing wrong. Listen, you don't need to know Greek. You don't need to know Hebrew. You don't even need a nine-week Bible study. Some of you need to quit rebuking the devil. If you want to move from stress to bless, you need to stop and look at your pace. That's as complicated as it gets. You see, look at it and go, am I doing too much? Yes, now what? Jethro looked at Moses and he said, this is not good. There's a second thing. Number two is this, determine what you should do versus what you could do. This is a really practical point that I think could be helpful. Determine what you should do versus what you could do. Exodus 18, verse 19. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice, Jethro said. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for, for the people at all times, but have them bring the very difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. It's practical wisdom. Moses looked at it and he said, but I could. Well, here's what I do. If I got up at 5 a.m., what I could do is... You know what? If I didn't go to bed till midnight, what I'd be able to do is, and he's just seeing things, he's like, you know what? I think I can do that. The people have needs. They're asking me for help. I think that I can do it. Listen, you have to understand there were a lot of things that Moses could have done, a lot of things people wanted him to do, but just because you could does not mean that you should. Just because others want you to do it does not mean that you ought to do it. I don't know how you were raised, but I was raised that when you fix your meal and you, you sit down to eat, my parents tell me, don't you get up until you finish your plate. Anybody else raised like that? You know, you, you just load it up. I don't like that. I don't know more of that. I'm good. No, 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 no. Sit back down. Don't you get up till you finish your plate. And, uh, you know, that, that sounds like a responsible thing, you know, to, to, to finish your plate. But what happens is that I've gone through all of my life and I still have not, it, something hadn't clicked. I, it still hasn't, to where I still have not mastered the reality of my eyes are bigger than my stomach. Anybody else struggle with that? And here's the problem with finishing my plate is I have become the master of stacking that puppy up. Like if there's a, just a, a little sliver of the plate left, that means I didn't put enough. And so I have, to, I have to fill that in right there. It's like, oh, there's a little space right there, another scoop. And then I've even learned that you can stack some food on top of food. Not all the kinds. It's got to be the right kind, but I can stack it. And now I have a plate the size of Mount Rushmore. And, and now all of a sudden you're halfway through it. Oh, man, but I've been taught you got to fill 
finish your place. So now it's a matter of stewardship, see? See, now it's responsibility. Now I don't want to dishonor my mom and my dad. Now I got to eat this because it's the right thing to do. And that's a problem because that's the way I live my life. There's a little room, fill it up. There's a little space, fill it up. Now you got to be true to that commitment. You got to come through. You got to do it. You got to finish it. And now it's a matter of not just what should I be doing, but I'm framing it up off of what I think I could pull off. That's a terrible way to live. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, be very careful. Somebody say very careful. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Listen, God wants you to walk in wisdom so that you can live in blessing. Could versus should. There are some things, there are some moments, there are some opportunities you could do, but that doesn't mean that you should do. And oftentimes we land at the wrong answer because we're asking the wrong questions. How do you know if it's a could do or a should do? Let me give you a couple of wrong questions. These are, these are not the ones you want to ask. Here's the first one. Do we want to do it? Now, that sounds like a legitimate question before I do something. Do I want to do it? I'm not saying that's a terrible question. I'm saying it's the wrong place to start. Because when I begin with, do we want to do it? Do we want to buy it? Do we want to eat it? My answer is usually, yes, I think that I do. Then that could be okay. But valuing margin, having priorities helps me to think beyond that question. Just because we want it doesn't mean we need it. A lot of people think just because the new iPhone comes out, they're supposed to buy it. And they thank the Lord all the way to the store. Jehovah Jireh. Lord, without faith, it's impossible to please you. By faith, there will be money in my account, Lord. By faith. Lord, thank you for providing this credit card. I'm about to put this iPhone on. No business spending the money. But if their question was, do I want it? I do. And God loves to bless me. So we're going to go right over to the store and we're going to get it. Some people, when it comes to buy a new car, they can look at what kind of loan they can get. And they think because they could get a loan for $20,000, that means they can buy a car for $20,000. Instead of going, just because I want that does not mean that I need that. I could get a less expensive car. God wants us to walk in wisdom so we can live in blessing. Here's another bad question. You want to write this one down too. Here's a bad question. You're trying to figure out, could you do something or should you do something? Is it good or bad? Now, come on. That seems like a legitimate question right there, doesn't it? I mean, if it's good, it must be okay. If it's bad, then it's not okay. But hear me today, friends. Just because something is good does not mean that it's right. 
When it comes to living at a pace that brings God's peace and his blessing, you don't just sit around and say, I'm only going to do things that are good. Going to work and providing for your family is a good thing, but putting in so many hours that you're missing time with your family is a bad thing. Putting my kids in sports and music and other activities can be a wonderful thing. It's good for the, their development. I'm glad that they have passions and interests, but not if it destroys all of our margin. Is it good is not always the right question to ask. And you know something I figured out? Any other parents figure this out? When I sign my kids up, this is something I figured out. When There's an activity. There's a sport. When I sign my kids up, you know what happened? I just signed me up. Anybody else figure that one out? Like, I didn't want to take ballet. What am I sitting right here for? But when I sign them up, I just signed me up. Oh, now you need me to take you to practice? You can't walk to go swimming? I've got to take you? Oh, and then you want me to pick you up too? Oh, okay. Oh, you want me to sit here because you got a performance. So you're going to play the thing I've been hearing you play all week long. And now you want me to come here and sit for two hours and listen to a lot of kids. I don't like any of them, but just so I can hear you play for five minutes. When I signed them up, I signed me up. And when my margin goes down, my stress goes up. And whenever we're making decisions as a family, we have to look at it and say, we have to pay attention to the fact that this is a group activity this is affecting all of us so it's not a matter of is this good I started noticing too early on signing up our kids for for things like every instructor every teacher they saw they saw greatness in my kid every everything we signed the the, the you know you tried to try it out the first practice and then they sign you up for membership you know like pay for it but at first when they're like I see a lot of potential I'm like man you you listen you want a membership I see what you're trying to do to me right now you see potential I'm looking like no man I don't see it I don't see that much potential <laughs> but they're like they're really good at piano I'm like cool we have one at home they're like no they're really gifted they could be great in taekwondo I'm like they just want the uniform I know what this is all about I'm not falling for this and in all seriousness, there are things that the kids are good at, they're passionate about, and they enjoy. That doesn't mean it's bad, but it doesn't mean it's right. We have to look at that and think, should we do it? Or is it just a could do? Last thing that I would just say on that is, what about can I do it? Sometimes we think because we can, we should. My personality is a, a get the most out of life, so to speak, or stretch the dollar, lick the plate, leave it all on the field, you know, whatever it would be. But I also have to live with my own stress level going, going up. And I realize that when stress walks in, peace walks out. We have to be honest. We have to be realistic. Let me give you the third thing, and I'm going to close. Third thing that we see in the life of Moses and here in Exodus chapter 18 is not only that we're supposed to be real, not only are we supposed to say, is this something we should do, but third and finally, then we have to be willing to make the changes. Make the changes. Exodus chapter 18, verse 23 says, if, somebody say if. Come on, shout if. If you do this, if you do it. And God so commands. God has a plan for your pace. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. 
There's an if there, but I love Moses' heart. Verse 24, Moses listened to his father-in-law, and he did everything he said. This was for Moses' own health. It was for the sake of the people. Not only did he take an honest look, he wasn't just listening. He actually did everything that they talked about. See, for me and my pace, for you and yours, we can't afford just to say amen. It doesn't work if we just look at it and nod and go, yeah, things are busy. I wish we could slow it down. It doesn't work if we just say, man, I wish things would change. We have to be willing to actually do something about it. How I courageously respond to doing something will affect me and it will affect others. My marriage is impacted by my pace and my peace. My kids are impacted by my level of stress and my lack of margin. You don't even realize it, but you're coming home grumpy, irritable. Your kids don't even want to be around you. Like, man, you just beat me down. No, 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 no. I'm trying to give you courage to make a change because it's so hard to see it when you're in the thick of it. My ability to love people and care for people is impacted by the way I manage my time. Don't just think about it. Don't just talk about it. You got to do something about it. Your personal peace is at stake. Your health is on the line. Ultimately, God's plan for your life, his blessing that he wants for your life, it is at stake. I'm not trying to over-spiritualize this. I promise I'm not. I'm really not. Um... The goal of this series, though, is not a self-help series. You know, I just trying to just trying to help you be a little better time manager. It's not the goal of the series. Just trying to get everybody to take a deep breath, slow down. It's not the goal of the series. Our goal is never, as preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's never to make someone a more successful sinner. Our goal is never to make someone uh, a better time management saint. Just trying to help you with your finances. It's not the goal. This is a very spiritual issue. This is tied to kingdom purpose. The goal is not for you to have more margin so you can fill it up with more cares of this world. It's so that you can be who God has created you to be, so that you can do what God has created you to do. God has a plan for your life. I'm not saying that you should be lazy. Our goal is not peace and quiet. Listen, our goal is to be busy, but busy about what matters, to do what counts for eternity, not serving or giving or living out of guilt or duty. We don't serve or give out of pressure. We live, give, and serve out of abundance. Listen, we live life with margin so that we can live on mission. Too often when God is whispering to our heart, go encourage that person. I'm so busy. I don't even hear it. When God says, go give generously, bless somebody. I would if I could, but I'm so strapped. I can't. Not living with margin. 
can't do what God has called. Go and serve the church. I can't. My schedule is so out of control. I can't give another moment. I've got to step back and say, God, speak to me and help me to live with margin so I can live on mission. I don't know what the Lord may be speaking to your heart today, but I want you to know this is a message of encouragement. God wants you to be blessed, not broken. He wants you to live in peace, not stress. And you're just a next step or two away from experiencing the blessing that he has for you, but it will require a courageous step. Your most important step is always your next one. What's your next step? For you, it may be getting together with a friend or with people in your small group say, hey, I'm going on the record. I want to say, here's what's going to change. I'm going to start leaving five minutes earlier than I typically would when I go to drive somewhere so that when, not if, but when I get somebody going 10 miles under the speed limit, I don't lose my salvation. Five minutes. Some of us like the most stressful time in our lives, just getting from one point to the next. What, what could change that? Prayer, Greek, Hebrew, like exorcism. Like what's it going to take? Leave five minutes earlier. That's all I have to do. Stress will go down. Peace will come up. Maybe it's you getting together as a family saying, hey, here's some things that we're going to do. A lot of things we could do. Here's what we're going to commit that we should do. Here's what we're going to do. Just talk about it. Hey, I'm going to get in bed 30 minutes earlier. If I did that, though, I'd have to stop watching TV 30 minutes earlier. Right. (laughs) You got this. (laughs) I believe in you. Just getting more sleep. So many wake up exhausted and tired. Oh, God, strengthen me. He's like, go to bed on time. Just go to bed challenge you to start your day tomorrow we all i just challenge all of us to do this start your day with five minutes just quiet in the presence of god some of you overachievers go ahead and go 10 go 15 but i'm just asking everybody five minutes tomorrow quiet before you go rushing says right here to be still and know that you're my God so God before I start my day clear my head and give it to you thanks for being with me thanks for walking with me I know life's about to come at you 90 miles an hour the rest of the day but five minutes just to start I don't know what your next step is, but all of us have a next step. As we pray right now, would you allow God to show you something? Would you have the courage to say, God, 